Today, God wants to speak to our hearts from Luke 5. So join me with your Bibles open to Luke chapter 5. You have had the experience in your life, I'm sure, in some way that you heard some piece of news that you just were excited to share with others. It may have been literal news, something you saw on the news or read about it in an article or saw online somewhere and you just thought, wow, that's exciting or that's terrible or that's good or bad or I need to make sure other people know about this. And so by word of mouth or through sharing a post or texting a friend or something, you shared that bit of news. It may be in a completely different realm. For you, it might be you're a sports fanatic. And when your team does something great, you want everybody to know about it. But you become really sheepish when your team does not do something so great. Or if you speak about it, it's to let everybody else know how dumb the management of the team is. How could they do such a thing? You share the news. You spread the word. We see an example of that here in the scripture where a man spread the word of some good news that he experienced. Luke chapter 5, just a short text today, verses 12 through 17. Luke 5, beginning in verse 12. And it came to pass when he, that's Jesus, was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And he, Jesus, put forth his hand and touched him, the leper, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. And he, Jesus, charged him, the leper, to tell no man, but go and show thyself to the priest and offer for thy cleansing according as Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. But so much the more went there a fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. And he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. I want to speak to you this morning from this passage on that simple thought. Spread the word. It's a pretty simple passage 
for us to read and to understand what takes place. But I believe there are some spiritual analogies and applications for your life and mine today. Let's consider four parts to the text. Number one, I want you to consider the request of the healer. The request of the healer. What we find in this passage is this man coming to Jesus, a healer, a miracle worker, but so much more, with a request. As we think about this man and his request, let's consider the condition of the requester. The condition of the requester. Luke, who was himself, remember, a physician. The penman of Luke is an MD. He's a doctor himself. And he identified this man who came to Jesus as full of leprosy. Leprosy does not carry the same level of dread in our society as it did in that society. We know the name because we've been around Scripture. But leprosy is not a disease that we hear much about anymore. It's not one of those things that you and I perhaps think about from time to time. Oh, wouldn't it be awful if myself or a family member went to the doctor and they were diagnosed with leprosy. That's not the kind of thing that we think about. Perhaps the closest thing in our society that we could, that we could associate with is to hear from the doctor, you're full of cancer. That's the level of dread, of fear, that leprosy carried in that society. Leprosy, generally in the Word of God, actually identifies not one, but a series of different skin infections with similar symptoms. But each had extreme consequences, even beyond the physical implications. It wasn't just about, well, this is going to be the course of the disease, and then, sadly, you're going to die. But there were social and religious implications as well. We read from Leviticus 13, 1 through 3, earlier in the service, where God, through Moses, commanded that if someone had this type of infection, that he would go not to a doctor, but to the priest, because the priest would not necessarily diagnose leprosy so much as declare the diseased person what? Unclean. This wasn't a medical diagnosis. It was a declaration that carried social and religious implications. A Bible teacher wrote about leprosy that, according to Jewish law and custom... One had to keep six feet from a leper. Social distancing way back in Leviticus. But, listen to this. If a leper was upwind from someone, so that person is downwind of the leper, 
you should remain 150 feet away from the leper. The only thing more defiling than contact with a leper in that day was contact of a dead body. So think about this man. His condition was diseased, depressed, desperate, and deadly. Dr. A.B. McDonald, who founded and directed a medical treatment center for lepers in Nigeria during the middle of the 20th century, wrote this about those who suffer leprosy. The leper is sick in mind as well as body. For some reason, there is an attitude to leprosy different from the attitude to any other disfiguring disease. It is associated with shame and horror and carries in some mysterious way a sense of guilt. Shunned and despised, frequently do lepers consider taking their own lives. And some do. And it's for these reasons that leprosy throughout the Bible pictures sin. You might jot down Isaiah 1, 4 through 6. We'll not look at it today, but that text, the prophet Isaiah used an illustration like leprosy as he depicted Judah's sinful condition before God. He wrote of it as an open, festering sore spreading about on the body. That was what Judah's sin and rebellion was like in the eyes of God. And what we learn from the scripture is that every man apart from Christ is like this leper, diseased, depressed, desperate and dead before God. But I want you to see not only the condition of the requester, but see secondly the confidence of the requester. Full of leprosy in that condition came to Jesus and said these words, Lord, if thou wilt, Thou canst make me clean. Notice the statement. He recognized Jesus' authority, prompting him to call Jesus Lord. He recognized Jesus' ability, prompting him not to question whether Jesus could heal him, but whether he would heal him. The leper came to Jesus and did not say, Lord, if you can, would you? Is that what he said? No, he said, if thou wilt. In other words, if you want to do so, if you desire to do so, you can make me clean. Could you imagine approaching a medical doctor with confidence like that? Perhaps you've come down with some symptoms. And it might just even be just the regular symptoms of a regular sickness that we deal with on a regular basis. Can you imagine going to your doctor and saying, Hey, I know you can treat this and heal me right now. Do it. Anyone ever done that before? No? How about for something a lot more serious? Nine months ago... 
many of you know, through other illness symptoms. I've got a picture of it. What you'll see on the screen here, this is what was found in the femoral neck of my right hip. What you see there is the x-ray of the tumor that what's inside the red circle is that tumor that's inside of my right hip. And many of you know that caused for six weeks a lot of burden in myself and my family. Could you imagine when I was scheduled to go see a specialist at UNC Chapel Hill, going into the specialist and him looking at that picture and me doing this, all right, doc, I know you've got the training, I know you've got the expertise, you can heal me in this moment, so just do it. We don't do that, though, do we? But this man did it with Jesus. With no experience. Sure, he had heard of Jesus doing some miracles. Sure, he had heard of Jesus healing some people. He hadn't heard that Jesus had healed any lepers. But he went to Jesus. He fell before him, recognizing his authority. Lord, recognizing his ability. Not can you, but I know you can. Will you? He confidently believed that Jesus had the authority and ability to heal him if he willed to do so. His confidence, his faith in Jesus without experience astounds me. Leprosy was so hopeless that healing leprosy was, was compared to raising the dead. Yet this leper believed Jesus could heal him if only he was willing. Let me ask you today, who or what is your faith in today? As Jesus could heal this man, if only he was willing to do so, so Jesus can heal you of your diseased, depressed, desperate, and dead condition before God apart from Christ. And what does it require of you? Simple faith. That's it. The Bible from cover to cover declares that faith in the sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus Christ brings salvation. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And you say, well, what if he's not willing? Okay, he can, but maybe he doesn't want to. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, Peter wrote, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You and I don't need to question, can he? He can. We don't need to question, will he? He will. He says he will. And so, friend, understand this. If you're not saved today, you stand diseased, depressed, desperate, and dead before God because you are condemned in and by your sin. But God loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to live the life you cannot, to die the death you deserve, and rise again to offer you salvation and new life. Would you believe him today? He will not turn you away, but will save you. The request of the healer. Number two, would you see this? The response of the healer. 
verse number 13 again, and he put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. Jesus willed to heal the man, and he did so. Would you notice he healed the man compassionately? What does the Bible say that Jesus did? He reached out and touched him. He touched him. This represents a stunning departure from the practice of the day, the norm, but also a beautiful reality of our Savior. Pastor Tony Evans describes it this way. The Mosaic law required those with such skin conditions to be separate from others. However, when Jesus touched the man, contamination didn't flow in. Cleansing flowed out. You ever been around someone who's sick? Pastor, that's a silly question, I know. But what's even sillier is if you had this thought, well, I'm well. Let me just rub shoulders with you. Let me shake your hand, it's okay. My wellness will fix your sickness. You ever tried that before? What typically happens? Especially if someone has a sickness that is contagious. Okay? What happens? You get sick, don't you? A few weeks ago when we were away, the first night, about midnight, Adeline woke up crying. It wasn't terribly unusual. I walked into the room where she was, went to lay her back down in the playpen she was sleeping in, and then this smell just smacked me in the face. The smell of sickness, if you know what I mean. You know, I didn't have the thought, well, all the other kids are fine, so let's just all gather together real close to Adeline and hug her, and we'll all be, make her well. Nope. In fact, we did, to keep, we did our best to keep things separated, but guess what? Everybody else still got sick, except me, thank the Lord. But we don't think, hey, if we rub up against someone who's sick and we're well, they're going to get well. Jesus healed the man compassionately. You see, because when Jesus touches somebody else, he doesn't get sick. He doesn't become infected. When Jesus touches someone, cleansing takes place. Just like leprosy could not, Friend, your sin cannot contaminate the Savior. Sometimes we think in our sinfulness, well, I can't get close to Jesus. I can't get close to God as if our sinfulness is going to rub off on him in some way. Friends, when contact between sinful man and the perfect Savior takes place, cleansing, not contamination, always results. Get close to the Savior. And let him cleanse you. Notice he healed the man commandingly. He spoke authoritatively to accomplish the work. He said, be thou clean. 
in his condition as soon as the first sore showed up. According to Leviticus 13, what was the man to do? To go to the priest. The priest would look him over. The priest would see that open sore. And through Leviticus 13, 1 through 3, if the priest followed the processes, he would determine this man had leprosy and pronounce him what? Unclean. You see, even God's order, the priesthood, could not do anything but pronounce somebody unclean. But here's Jesus commanding, speaking authoritatively to this man who had leprosy, who had been pronounced unclean, pronouncing him what? Clean. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Friends, everything bows to the command of Jesus. Do you know that? Do you believe that? Do you live that? Everything bows to the command of Jesus. There is nothing that exists or operates apart from his power and authority. And then I want you to see this. He healed the man completely. The leprosy didn't just retreat deep into the man's body. How many of you are familiar with a MRSA staph infection? Anyone? Anyone had one? When I was a college student, I developed a MRSA staph infection in my left knee. I didn't know what it was. It, it started out as just a little white head on the side of my knee. Two or three weeks later, it was about half dollar sized, raised, red, bright red. And I just didn't worry about it. I just continued in life, you know. And one day I was sitting in my room, I was talking to my older sister on the phone when one of my roommates saw it because I was wearing a pair of shorts. And he said, Dude, what is that thing on your knee? I said, I don't know, it's been there for a while. He's like, Dude, that is nasty. You need to go get that thing checked out. So my older sister, Liz, who's one of those people, she's kind of strange. She likes it when people get hurt so she can get in and look at it and help. You know, I'm sure her kids, you know, growing up, you know, they'd get hurt. It wasn't a kiss from mommy. It was, ooh, let me inspect, you know, kind of thing. She's just that person. She's asking me, hey, what's on your leg? What is it? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you need to go get it checked out. So I did. And it, sure enough, turned out it was a MRSA staph infection that had developed there. They put me on a, a course of antibiotics. Didn't work. They put me on a, a heavier um, type of antibiotic. But the doctor... She, she expressed to me what MRSA does. When those antibiotics attack the infection, that particular infection retreats into like where it originated. It can build its own cell walls, and then it just remains there. It stays until one day that it might decide to break back out and do its thing. The leprosy, when Jesus said, be thou clean, the leprosy didn't just retreat from the surface of the body deep inside the man. What did the Bible say? Look back at verse number 13. And immediately the leprosy, what? Departed from him. It was gone. Every trace. Not just on the surface. 
If, if they had been able to do it back then, if they had done blood work, they would not have found one strain or cell of that virus in the man's body. It was gone. And so it always is with Jesus. When we think of sin and salvation, salvation is completely of Jesus Christ. He did not fulfill one part of the requirement and leave something to us. All of it, from beginning to conclusion, is of and by him. And that's why the writer of Hebrews could call Jesus, in Hebrews 12, verse 2, the author and finisher of our faith. It's all of him. As we consider the response of the healer the cleansing of the requester then see secondly the charge to the requester now this is interesting after he does this what does jesus tell the man to do it's in two parts but first what's he say don't tell anybody now that's interesting isn't it if, if you had an experience like this, you went into a medical doctor, and let's bring it into the dread of today. The doctor says, you're full of cancer. Well, doctor, I know you can, if only you were willing, take care of it. I will. You're healed. You're cured. And they did all the tests and found that the cancer was gone. And then that doctor said, all right, now I don't want my practice to explode, so keep this to yourself. If you walked out of that office, how long do you think it would be before you opened your mouth and told someone? I mean, I don't know about you, but I've got to believe if I had that experience I'd be walking out there, checking out, and the, the person at the desk would tell me whatever and tell me what my copay was and all that and ask, how was your visit today? You're not going to believe this. Right? The Bible says that Jesus charged him not to tell anyone. Don't tell anyone about the miracle. Go to the priest directly. Jesus desired liberty to continue traveling and teaching. His charge then to go and tell the priest connects with what we read earlier in Leviticus 14. So Leviticus 13 was all about, hey, if this scab or sore breaks out, go to the priest and he'll pronounce you unclean. And then Leviticus 14 is all about, well, what if a leper is healed? By the way, how many times do you think that happened? The only time in the Old Testament recorded that it might have taken place where someone got leprosy, was healed, and then went through this process with the, the priest would have been Miriam. Yes, Naaman was a leper and was healed, but he wasn't a Jew. He wouldn't have gone to the priest. Miriam, member was struck with leprosy by God after this law was given. So as far as we know from the Old Testament, Miriam is likely the only person who ever actually went through that process spelled out in Leviticus 
verse 14. Well, what was that process? If someone was healed, this man, what Jesus told this man to do, go to the priest and do what Moses commanded. What is that? Read Leviticus 14. It begins with you showing up before the priest. He examines you again. He doesn't find any sore. He doesn't find any scab. And he says, okay, you're clean. And then the process begins with a sacrifice. Did you happen to pay attention as we read earlier to the process of that sacrifice? Two birds. One of the birds is taken and killed. The bird that lives is dipped in the blood of the slain bird and then taken out into a field and set free. Friends, can I tell you that that's salvation? You and I are diseased, depressed, desperate, and dead before God because of our sin. Jesus, as the spotless Lamb of God, came and shed his blood to satisfy God's wrath and offer forgiveness to those of us who were diseased, depressed, desperate, and dead because of our sin. We are like that bird that was allowed to live. Why? Because the other bird gave its life. How was that bird allowed to live? Because it was dipped in the blood of the slain and set free. That's salvation. You're a sinner. Jesus gave his life. He shed his blood for you. And when you come to Jesus Christ for salvation, believing he died for your sin, was buried and rose again, you are washed in the blood of the lamb and set free. Paul wrote about it in 1 Corinthians 6.11, and such were some of you. But ye are what? Washed. You're washed. You're sanctified. You're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. If you're saved today, you are like that leper, dead diseased, depressed, desperate. You came to Jesus and he washed you because he gave his life for you and he set you free. He healed you compassionately. He healed you commandingly. He healed you completely and you're free by the blood of the lamb. But if you've never been saved, believe today and he'll wash you. He'll forgive you. He'll set you free from the penalty of sin. Number three, I want you to see this, the report of the healer. The report of the healer. Go back to Luke chapter 5 and look at verse 15. So Jesus has just charged the man, don't tell anyone, go to the priest, do what Moses commanded. And the Bible says in verse 15, but so much the more went there a fame abroad of him. And great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. Interestingly, fame translates a Greek word that you're probably familiar with. It translates the Greek word 
logos, often translated word in the New Testament. In this particular context, it means something said. In other words, someone spread the word about Jesus and what he had done. Luke doesn't identify who did, but Mark does. Mark 1, verses 44 and 45. Jesus saith unto him, the leper, See thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priests, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Verse 45. But he went out and began to publish it much and to blaze abroad the matter. Who spread the word? The leper did, who was no longer a leper. He was unlepered, or whatever you would say. He spread the word. This man, whom Jesus charged to stay quiet, could not help but tell everyone about Jesus who healed him. And I think how sad it is that we who have been healed and commanded to tell others by Jesus often stay silent. Does that bring conviction to your heart? It does mine. Jesus healed that man and said, don't tell anyone. And he went out and spread the word so much that multitudes came to hear Jesus and to be healed by him themselves. Jesus has healed us more assuredly than he healed that leper because your sin problem and the condemnation that it brings are a much deeper rooted problem than leprosy. And he's commanded us to go and tell people. But often we don't. We have the glorious message and have been commanded to tell everybody about somebody who can save anybody, but we often tell nobody. And so how can you spread the word with everybody this week? Do you agree that that's what he would have us do? Spread the word. How can you this week? Let me give you just a few thoughts, a few pointers. Utilize gospel tracts, church inv invitations, and other forms of printed materials. They're available to you. Take them. Use them. Utilize social media outlets to share scripture, especially gospel-themed verses, church posts, videos. How about your testimony? I wonder how many of us have ever sat down on Facebook or wherever you do your social media and typed out or, or recorded a video of us just sharing our salvation testimony and putting it out there. Post about God's goodness. Here's the key. Don't let your page resemble everybody else's page. 
If someone were just to sit down and scroll through your posts on social media, would it just resemble everybody else's they see? Would it look just like your coworkers who's lost and clearly not a believer in Jesus Christ? Or would something about yours stand out as being different? Utilize messaging opportunities to point others to Jesus. God spoke to my heart about this just this past week once in a while. We, we utilize Walmart delivery for groceries. And as you're checking out to use Walmart delivery for groceries, it allows you to leave a message for your deliverer. And often I leave a message that just says, leave at the side door, do not, in capital letters, ring the doorbell. I never know when the baby's going to be sleeping, and we do not want the doorbell rung because the dog goes crazy and the baby wakes up unhappy, okay? So often I say, leave at the side door, do not ring the doorbell. And God said, hey, Mike, you know, you could, you could post a verse there too. You could put something related to the gospel right there. You could share God's love right there. Simple. Utilize those opportunities. Utilize your voice when and where you have the opportunities. Look for them rather than stumbling into them. I'm concerned that too often in my own life, I go about, and when there are gospel opportunities to open my mouth and use my voice to share the gospel, it's kind of, uh, I stumbled into it. I'm in a situation and someone approaches me or someone asks me a question about God or about what I do for a living or what it, whatever it may be, and, oh, well, you know, I'm a pastor, so I should probably tell you about Jesus. Is that the way we go about it, or do we go looking for the opportunities? Spread the word. And listen, because he spread the word, multitudes of others who needed healing came to Jesus. They came. And what does the Bible say? They came to what? Hear and to be healed. That's interesting, isn't it? The leper came and was healed. I will be thou clean. But as he spread the word of Jesus, people came not just looking to be healed, but they came looking to hear what he had to say. Friends, can I, can I share with you this morning that is, if we're doing what we should be doing, spreading the word about Jesus who saved us from our sin and the condemnation of our sin just as assuredly as if he had said, I will be thou clean and healed us of leprosy or cancer or whatever else, if we went about telling people like we should, there will be people who will come looking to hear and be healed by Jesus. That's what we're to spread the word about, a Savior who deals not only with the result of sin, but the reason for it. So I challenge you, spread the word of the Savior this sick world needs. And then I want you to see finally, and we'll close, the repose of the healer. Multitudes came. Jesus, again, does something kind of interesting. What's the Bible say he did? Verse 16. He withdrew for a reason, though. 
right? A particular reason. Why did he withdraw? He went into the wilderness and what? He went into the wilderness and what? Prayed. Pastor Tony Evans again described Jesus' response when he wrote that the greater the demand on him, the more Jesus in his humanity depended on God the Father. Jesus is not running away. He's seeking the Father for strength to do what he was sent to do. Humbly, Jesus identified his dependence on and need for the Father. And friends, if Jesus humbly admitted, I need you, Father, how much more is that true of us? But what often happens in your life and mine when God uses us to do something for him, we can sometimes try to steal a little of his glory, can't we? Take the credit, receive the accolades without reflecting the glory and the praise back to him. As people came thronging to Jesus to hear and be healed by him because he healed this leper, Jesus withdrew himself, humbly going to the Father in dependence, his need for God. Can I remind you today that God's using of us comes about as a product of his grace. God does not use someone because of who they are what they have to offer. God's using of an individual, of a group, of a church is a product of his grace. And when we are used by God, that should prompt us to give him the glory and it should drive us to more prayer. When God begins working in for and through you, friends, that should drive you to pray even more. To become even more humble and dependent on God. If we want to be used and experience fruit, let's praise God for what he's already done in, for, and through us and spend more time in humble, dependent prayer. And then verse 17 we read because this shows us the result of Jesus' repose. He, he withdrew to spend time with God, humbly admitting his dependence on the Father. And then what happened? Verse 17, And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And then don't miss this statement. What's it say? Read it with me, would you? And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Now listen to me very carefully. I believe that's true right here today. There's someone in this auditorium, there's someone watching by way of the internet that you need to hear and be healed by Jesus today. His power is present here to do that work. There's someone who's diseased, desperate, distressed, dead in sin. 
And Jesus' power is present here right now to bring the healing you need. You might be a believer in Jesus Christ who's struggling through a sin, who's in bondage to some behavior or habit that you've struggled to break. Jesus' power is present here today to heal you. God wants to work in, for, and through us in deeper and greater ways. I believe his power is present here. But here's what I also believe, friends. I believe that if you and I would faithfully spread the word, if we would faithfully follow Jesus' example in repose, take some time to get alone with the Father, to humbly admit our dependence on him and need for him, even though he's already used us, even though he's already using us, I believe we'd see God's power show up in an even greater and deeper way. Will you believe him for it? Will we spread the word? Will we repose in humble, dependent prayer? For each of us, how will we respond? the word of God.